Welcome to the Ancestral Kitchen podcast with Alison, a European town dweller in central Italy, and Andrea, living on a newly created family farm in northwest Washington State, USA. Pull up a chair at the table and join us as we talk about eating, cooking, and living with ancient ancestral food wisdom in a modern world kitchen. Hello, Alison. Hi, Andrea. How are you? I'm awesome. So good. It's a little chilly here. I know you said it was hot where you are still. Hot, hot, hot. Mm, yeah. Jealous. <laughs> it's already getting cool for me. So, just so the listeners know, <laughs> Allison, you've got some construction going on next door to you. Yeah, yeah you might hear summering or little sounds. It's it's not my kids trying to get in for once. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just get to play. I'm hoping they'll go home the soon because group. they've been doing it all day, so they must be tired. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you should walk over there some water cool. kefir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so before we start, though, first I want to say thank you to the patrons. This has been such an awesome experience for us both, getting to um, talk to the patrons and um, putting we're, we've been putting extra content up for you guys as a thank you. So if you go to that private feed, you'll get access to it once you sign up as a patron. We'll put the link in the show notes, but you can sign up as a patron of the podcast to help keep us funded and on the air, pay all of these podcasting expenses. Mm. And um, basically the goal, Allison, I think for both of us is to just never have to have um, any sponsorship that would tell us what to say <laughs> be able to yeah completely so that the people who actually believe along the lines that we believe are um are the people who are helping us get the word out there get our right. voices out there. right exactly and speaking of the patrons aaron chef aaron who um has an awesome instagram he actually came on he is a patron of the podcast but he came on additionally and helped us um record uh last let's see actually guess i don't know when it's going to show up in the schedule allison he did an interview with us i think it'll probably okay. be after it this was one. so good and he's also offered to do some other awesome content for the patron feed as well so we're really grateful aaron for you um helping out the podcast and i know this is all yeah. stuff that he's really passionate about too and that's just the total that's the kind of energy combo we want to have so yeah yeah definitely. so much gratitude so have you had your breakfast <laughs> actually you breakfast? did i i'm, I'm, I'm to i know you're food. you're ready wow, you're ready <laughs> um i did actually have breakfast um i had a fried egg and a little bit of apple crisp i don't know if it's called the same thing over in um mm. over in england or whatever <laughs> you're not in england but like that's where you're like dehydrated from. apple you mean um no okay so it's not the same <laughs> it's like you cook down apples okay. soft and you put like a crumble topping on them um so i, I don't know what it's ah, apple crumble yeah like you that would be apple, apple crumble. crumble okay actually that name sounds pretty good apple crumble mm. i like it and i have right now mm. some i made coffee 
for Gary this morning before he left for work and so then I took the rest of it for myself and I put some of the colostrum in it. It is so good. It's basically like cream times a hundred. <laughs> so delicious. Oh, and nice. did you eat, Allison? Did you have lunch before we got on? Yeah, I did. We had some heart. Uh, I think I say I that think in I almost say every eggs podcast every time, now these so. days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, we had some heart, which I cooked a long time ago and then put a chunk in the freezer. And it, you pull it out of the freezer and it's as if it's never been frozen. Wow. It's just absolutely wonderful. So I sliced that up and we had rye sourdough bread, which was from rye that um, we grained with the we sorry we ground with the grinder um and then a salad with local leaves from the market and some herbs from the garden um i put lemon and olive oil on that and i put olive oil all over the bread and some sauerkraut and some fermented garlic delicious oh and some beer oh, as well that i forgot so that good. Some beer. So you'll be relaxed. <laughs> it was. No, the... Yeah, exactly. The, we put a bit of honey in the beer this time, which was a, an interesting taste and not something we'd done before. But So it had a it had a kind of a fragrant chestnut honey tinge Your to it. beer has a pretty... It's a very low alcohol content, though, actually, isn't it? It's not, not really comparable yeah. to the beer we get at the store. Yeah, I can hardly feel yeah, it. Probably closer to like a... Yeah, I can, I can hardly feel it. I think... Oh, keep going. <laughs> it's almost like a water kefir. Yeah, it's almost like say. a water kefir. I think when most farmhouse brews, you know, ancestral beer, the alcohol content, although it could be altered, so for festivals or for weddings, perhaps they made some that was a bit more alcoholic. Most of it that was consumed daily was very, very low mm. alcohol. So I don't really notice it that you much. Know, apart from I love the flavour and, and it, it helps my digestion. Oh, of course. Absolutely. On the History of Food podcast, on the coffee episode, which is a really interesting one, by mm. the way, if anyone hasn't listened to it, um, mm. he had said, he was talking about how much beer everybody drank back in the day, and so he had said, up until, you know, the 1700s, basically everybody was kind of drunk all the time, and I was like, uh, I don't know, necessarily, if, because I was like, I don't, it's not no, beer like we have that. now, I mean, if, if I drank that much yeah whatever you know Budweiser or so, <laughs> something yeah you'd mm. probably be drunk all the time but I'm really alcohol sensitive and I can drink half a cup of the beer without really noticing mm. it so I, I don't think it has much probably alcohol not. in it at all anyway so, it tastes nice. so speaking yeah, of nice food dish. let's talk about food <laughs> mm. <laughs> why not <laughs> so the topic for today actually is a really fun one I was talking to Tiffany. Tiffany and I were working on canning and I was telling her, you know, it'd be really cool just to hear a list of the kitchen tools that somebody considers essential in their kitchen. Because it's a little different for everybody and kind of based on your lifestyle and um, area and everything. So I asked you, Allison, and you said, let's do it. So what you and I did was kind of like with the mm. refrigerator episode, we each put together a list of, you know, mm -hmm. I know as we've been sitting here getting ready to record, we've each thought of more, so we'll probably think of some as we go through it, but um, we each have a list of tools that we consider, you know, very useful in our kitchen and some ideas about kitchen tools. So I thought this would be a really fun thing to discuss and, um, and yeah. compare and enjoy. <laughs> I feel like I'm like, I don't even know what to say today yeah. for some reason. I'm like, Hey, where's my brain again? <laughs> 
So what I was wondering, Allison, mm-hmm. is first off, if you could read your list, because you wrote down a list, and then I'll read yeah, my list, course. and then we'll just do yeah. like with the fridge, we'll kind of go back, back and forth through them. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, so I tried to cover everything. I kept thinking of things afterwards <laughs> and adding them. So um, in no particular order, we've got a hand crank grain mill. And grain mills can be quite expensive. Um, this one wasn't expensive, um, but it does involve ah. some arm work. It's a beautiful uh, made in Italy chrome uh, grain mill, which flakes as well, so we can have flakes. We've got a slow cooker, which I use for stock, lard, tallow, cooking bread, sometimes stew, cooking the heart like I did for lunch. And I use it as a crock to ferment beer. Mm. I take it out of the electric thing <laughs> because it's the biggest <laughs> container we've got. I've got a cast iron pan absolutely essential i've got two mortar and pestles one is marble and one is granite i've got a lot of knives um even though i've got my favorites i've still got quite a few to choose from my saucepans i've not got many i've got a milk saucepan which has a lid i've got an eight inch frying pan which is stainless steel i've got two medium saucepans which are both stainless steel and i've got one very large saucepan which is stainless steel i've got six sieves (laughs) if you've ever seen me um take yes, a picture of myself with the back of my um, kitchen in it there's, there's always sieves there I've got so many sieves so there's some of them are used for tea some of them are used for kefir some of them are used for beer some of them are used for vegetables just for yeah. everything so six sieves I've got tongs two pears two fish slices and two big spoons I've got a mallet made of wood I've got four stainless steel bowls and I particularly have stainless steel bowls because they're light I have three loaf tins, um, one's a, a new mm. addition, two have lids, um, the other one doesn't have a lid, the third one doesn't have a lid. I've got a pizza stone, I've got a food processor which has a big bowl, a small bowl, a jug and a coffee grinder. I've got shopping boards, some of them are wooden and two of them are plastic. Um, the, we have one very, very big wooden one which raises the work surface by about two maybe three inches which has kind of been essential in most houses that we've lived in because both Rob and I are very Mm. tall and I don't like chopping down low so this actually gives me a work surface that's high which is nice I've got glass jars not as many as you (laughs) but I've got glass jars and they go from little tiny ones 150 millilitres which I can't translate into American (laughs) but it's small up to a five litre one which I think is five quarts perhaps um, I've got swing top bottles. I've got lots of cloth covers for my jars. Um, I've got a proofing box, which Rob made for me. Um, we maybe talk about that later. I've got oven gloves. I've got teaspoon and tablespoon measures. I've got cup measures. I've got two sets of scales, one for small measures, which is very accurate, and one for larger measures. I've got cleaning brushes for all my bottles. I've got Tupperwares. Most of them are plastic. The recent ones I've bought are glass, so I've got some glass. I've got a dehydrator that was really cheap. I've got a salad spinner. I've got a grater. I've got two um, loose bottom cake tins, two funnels, one tiny that goes in swing top um, bottles and one very big one. And we used to have an electric kettle, which we used to boil for tea. Um, But as I was telling you last Mm. week, it broke. And we were ready to go and try and get it fixed by the, the man who works at the local market who fixes things. But um, after two days of not having it, we were just loving the space that it left on our counter because our kitchen, mm-hmm. as you know, is tiny. And so every 
inch of the counter counts and having that space freed up on the counter just made us feel so much better and made us work more easily so we decided to just put the broken kettle in the cupboard and we're boiling water on the stove in the milk saucepan with the lid now and it's it's lovely so that's my list and I think what when I went back over it we use all but 11 of these things every single day and um, the things we don't use every day are not in the kitchen because we don't have enough cupboards they're downstairs in another cupboard Um, but most of the ones that I use every day are put in cupboards and tidied away and I mean I literally all but 11 of those I literally use every single day when I'm cooking what's what are some of the ones you don't use every day so the slow cooker even though I do use it I definitely use it once a week if not Mm. twice a week I don't use it every day I don't use the mortar and pestles every day Um, the wooden mallet we usually use for sauerkraut that's about it Um, the loaf tins a couple of times a week when I bake the pizza stone not very often you know just every couple of weeks or every three weeks when we have a pizza um let's look down the proofing box i don't use in the summer oh, yeah because it's yeah you don't need it here so um, do you and what else the dehydrator i don't use every day that's another so one. then yeah. like the mortar and pestle does that go downstairs mm. yeah oh. that's downstairs that stays downstairs the food process is actually downstairs because there's not enough room for it up here and in the morning if i need it i know i need it and i say to rob can you go downstairs and get the food processor up and he it's heavy he will bring it up for me a lot of the glass jars downstairs when they're not being used the swing top bottles are downstairs um cake tins and things like that are downstairs as well um i think that's generally all the things that are downstairs the rest of them somehow with hooks and use really kind of canny use of all the cupboards we have most of them within reach here well, you, I mean, you aren't, I, I say I have a small ch- kitchen. I almost said chicken. Um, I have a small kitchen, but I don't <laughs> compared to, too. yeah, <laughs> mm. I don't have a small kitchen compared to um, a lot. Of, like it's smaller than my last kitchen, but it's larger than any other kitchen I <laughs> had. Um, and it's certainly larger than yours. Okay, okay. You showed me... Um, mm. Anybody on the patron feed, go on and see the video where Allison and I cooked in our kitchens together um, on video. And you can see Allison's kitchen. There really isn't any counter space. You use your table as your counter. No. Yeah. And you said there... Yeah, we use our table for, for tons of things. There wasn't even an oven when you moved to the house, right? <laughs> no. No, you're, that's right. There was, when, we, when we moved in, there was a little toaster oven, like the tiniest toaster oven I've ever oh. seen. And it was just on the counter. And um, I, I was just like, how? <laughs> what? With no oven? What, what, what's the deal with that about? There's a, there's a, oh, I can only think of the word in Italian. There's a piano cottura, which is a stove, a halogen stove top, you know, where there's four rings. So there's one of those. And... Um, a toaster oven so the toaster oven immediately went down in the <laughs> cupboard downstairs somewhere and we happened to have bought an oven for the previous house we were supposed to move into which is a huge long oh. story um, and that previous house had gas this house doesn't have gas it is just electric so what we did was we kind of shuffled things around and sh- 
shifted this oven that we'd bought in and put it at the end of one of the work surfaces. Worked it out so it was exactly the same height mm. as the the work surface. It's basically our only work surface. And the uh, the oven, the cooker, has an electric oven so that's fine because we're electric obviously you know i do my bread baking and everything else in there it has a gas hob a gas stove and we can't use that but it has a glass top cover which we put down and so that literally doubles our workspace because that is now being used i mean i'm looking at it now it's got all things fermenting on it and we've stand pans on it and tons of other things like that and that's doubled our workspace I'm glad that we yeah. had that because, yeah, without that, I'd, with our kind of, you know, just a tiny bit of work surface, we would struggle. Yeah. I think. Well, I think it's good. I'd, anybody go to Allison's Instagram and just check out, you know, either look in her stories or look at the pictures and you can kind of see the kitchen in there. And we just create so many myths mm. in our head like, oh, I don't have a big kitchen. Oh, I don't have, you know, all the fancy tools. And part of why I wanted to do this collection of tools was because I think you and I would both agree Allison there's been times we've had far less tools and we've still produced Mm. an incredible amount over time I've accumulated some things that have made some tasks easier for me but that doesn't mean I didn't still do them before just more tediously (laughs) And it took time for me to kind of accumulate the tools that I have and the tools that I like. Um, but I, I just, I just want to help bust some of the myths that like, if we don't have all the gadgets and all the fancy kits that you see online that we can't do the things. Because one thing that I always think about is, well, I'm cooking ancestral food. You know, I, I, in my ideal world, I'm making something that could have been made 600 years ago, right? And they didn't have any of these gadgets yeah. 600 years ago. There was other things that existed, like... What is that giant grinder stone that <laughs> that we talked about on the chocolate? Oh, yes. like a matate. Yeah, so, matate. so there were some... You know, there's yeah. there's some things I just don't have. But, uh, <laughs> but still, by and large, I think to myself, well, they figured out a way, so I can figure out a way. And then I've... Um, I actually enjoy trying to get creative with what I have. And I know you do too, because I've seen some of your gadget constructions. Yeah. <laughs> like calling me on the phone. Yeah, the proofing box. Yeah, yeah exactly. My my telephone, okay, which I, I gotta probably post... most listeners have not seen. <laughs> I got to like find somewhere to post this picture, guys. Um, okay, a couple <laughs> weeks ago, we didn't need to record. Um, so Allison and I just got to just have a phone conversation one morning. And that was really fun, Allison. I love that. Um, it actually would have made a really good episode, though. But, <laughs> but anyways, um, Allison sent me a picture of how she was calling me. And I don't know. I don't even know what Rob did. I'm not even sure if that was legal. He had stuff like taped and like cords <laughs> and like things all over. Like, what are you doing? I think a flock of carrier pigeons might have been easier. But um, yeah, it, <laughs> it was awesome. I was so impressed, honestly. Super impressed. My proofing box that, that he made for me looks somewhat like that. But it yeah. does the job. You know, in winter when it's cold in here, it keeps all of our... Um, breads proofing really well there is um an article on my blog which we will link to that explains how you can actually quite easily 
um, make yourself a little um, DIY yes. proofing setup. And then we use our oven to put it in. So it's a bit of a hassle because if I want to bake something, I have to take the whole mm. proofing kit out and then turn the oven on, bake it, then put the proofing equipment back in. And you have to just really keep attention that you don't turn the oven on while oh. the proofing kit's still in there, <laughs> otherwise it melts. But it is actually quite easy if you've got some basic electronics. So we'll link to yeah. that. Well, we'll link that. I wanted sure. to, um, to, to second what you said about um, thinking that we need a lot of equipment because I think that often happens with fermentation yeah. that you know you 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 see these people who are fermenting have all this equipment um, and you think that you need it and there's a there's a quote from wild fermentation which I highlighted before we started recording that Take I'd like shot, to read everybody. That's right. we said wild fermentation <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly so obviously it's by Sandor and and he speaks the truth he says most fermentation does not require specialized equipment there are gorgeous ceramic crocks for fermenting vegetables but a jar you probably already have will do the job just fine carboys and airlocks enable you to ferment wines and meads much longer yielding stronger dry beverages but you can ferment more lightly alcoholic beverages quickly and easily in a jar bowl crock or bucket fermentation is easy and exciting anyone can do it so i feel that's kind of that creative spirit that you're talking about and to be able to use things for multiple purposes like my stock pot that i use to um, ferment beer in but i also use to make lard and i also use to cook heart and i also use sometimes to cook bread in i mean that's worth its weight in gold for all of those tasks and it, that's the creativity kind of coming in and and using one piece of equipment for lots absolutely. of things i i absolutely agree with that quote let's see and i as a matter of fact i'll, I'll yeah, read off my list too but um, while you were reading that, made me yeah, think I didn't even put Crocs on my list. I forgot <laughs> because I've always yeah. um, I've always just fermented in whatever I had on hand, and um, mm. I have a Crock with stone weight and a lid. And somebody said a couple of days ago, mm. somebody was looking at. It, she said, "Wow, that's really cool. I don't have anything like that." And I said, "Well, I literally bought this last mm. year." as like a housewarming present to myself because you know because <laughs> because i deserve mm. it but I, I was like i have been <laughs> fermenting all this time without any like without this mm. i just got it finally because it was like hey i finally live in a house big enough that i can have you know room to put this and i can just enjoy having this you know, all in one, you know, stone crock with the stone that goes in it and a lid. And it is fun having mm. it, but, <laughs> um, nothing. I, I fermented in all kinds of weird containers. Um, okay. I'll read off my list real quick. So all right. I see your list. Yeah. I, I try, I didn't put like dinner plates on here. I just put like tools. Okay. No, <laughs> all right. Ice cube trays, coolers, Bussing tubs, large. Okay, you listed your kettles, so I feel like I should say mine. What's a milk kettle, by the way, or milk pan? Okay. What did you say? It's a. It's just a small okay. saucepan. Like I think ours is about six inches. Okay, then across. that's what this is. Do, do you know what's? I have a milk under? pan. <laughs> yeah, about it's just a small thing. I have a milk okay, pan, a slightly larger milk pan. I don't know what that would be called. Um, two soup kettles, a Dutch oven, and a huge kettle and 
all of those um, I either found <laughs> or were free over the last 12 mm. years. <laughs> um, large metal mixing bowls, same reason as you. I've had a couple non-metal mm. mixing bowls. They're all broken. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, I already mentioned the Dutch oven. It's a cast iron Dutch oven. And I absolutely love it. I just wish I had a bigger one. <laughs> a Vitamix blender. That's a brand name for a blender. Um, dehydrator, Excalibur dehydrator. That's mm -hmm. another brand name. Ice cream churn. Don't know who made it. Pizza stone. Uh, measuring cups and spoons. Not really full sets of either. Just like mismatched ones um, that I found at like mm. estate sales and things. Mortar and pestle. A coffee grinder and Gary has a cupboard of coffee gadgets. I don't know what any of them are called. <laughs> Cast iron. What oh, coffee gadgets? Um, let's see. What do they do? Well, he has like all these different ways that he can make coffee. So that's his kind of thing that is over the years he's collected um, bit by bit different oh, ways. So I like um, we have some Vietnamese coffee makers, a little... Um, stainless oh, steel Bialetti. Like an espresso maker. Yeah, espresso maker. He got... Okay. Um, my Christmas present to him last year was this... Um, a special kind of small espresso maker and milk steamer that you can cook with on like I a stove... Like a wood stove or whatever. Um, so just different coffee making yeah. things and, you know, little measuring things and stuff like that. Okay, I forgot to say that Rob's got a manual yeah. coffee grinder. Yeah, treasures. I bet. Somebody gave us one. So, yeah. um, man, I, when I make my list, I start to realize how much of this was really something somebody gave to me um, as a gift, or they were mm. moving and they gave it to me for free, or oh, I yeah, found yeah. it. <laughs> like, literally, I have found dishes, <laughs> like, in trash. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I found it at garage sales. Um, you know, for really cheap, yeah. there's, there's a few things on here that I can say I paid full price for, um, but very, very few. Mm -hmm. I think the Vitamix and the pizza stone, I don't know, not very many things on here that I actually yeah. had to buy. Okay. Um, kitchen shears, like scissors. Um, we have just regular scissors and then we have a special like poultry one that we use when we're butchering, um, lots of jars. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Your 150 mil is like a five ounce jar. So, um, okay. We have some standard sizes that are based on the imperial system. So, like four, eight, 16, 32 type ounce jars. Um, I have pressure canners, <coughs> four of them. <laughs> um, yeah, wow. when when you're canning pressure canners, one cycle on a pressure canner for things like meat or beans can take several hours. So um, that's another thing. Oh, I okay. bought one, and then over time, I have been given or found all the other ones. And mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it, it is awesome because it can cut your, your production time from a week down to like a day. <laughs> um, I jar see. lifters for taking the jars out of the hot water, uh, jar lids and rings, parchment paper. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a kitchen tool exactly, but I have really got into using it in the last year. 
uh, strainers, mm -hmm. colanders, sieves, whatever you want to call them. Uh, large and small, mm -hmm. and then a small like plastic one that I use for kefir. Uh, Grosch top bottles, the swing yeah. top bottles that you talked about. I only have about three. I would like to have more, but I don't have very many. Oh, oh I, beat, I actually yeah. beat you there. You beat me well <laughs> on the glass jars, but I think I have about oh, yeah. six or seven yeah, you swing have me top beat bottles. For sure. Um, I, again, the only bottles I have are ones that I, you know, somebody gave us a ginger beer. I have a tumbler, like a thermal tumbler, like you drink out of. I don't know really what it's called, like a thermos. And I really, yeah, I thermos, really like having yeah. that. Um, I have some baskets that I've been given and I find them really handy. Like I'll put, lay a towel in one and put bread or biscuits in it for dinner. Um, I have an, another one okay. that's long. I don't know if maybe it's made for like a baguette or something, but I put that on the counter mm -hmm. and I pile eggs in it. Um, I have a probe thermometer. I love, you know what? I'm going to link my thermometer in the show notes. <laughs> I, I forgot probe thermometer. I've got I one of them too. I have so many thermometers. It's ridiculous. But my friend had this one. I used it at her house and I loved it because it has a magnet on it so I could stick it to the side of the kettle. That was really nice. Um, like you said, mm. I have a lot of knives, but I do have some favorites. I really love the Shun Offset Bread Knife. It's like a folded steel knife and I, I've butchered an entire pig with that knife. Like there's nothing that knife cannot do. Wow. I just love it. I also have a breaking knife, um, and a bone saw. <laughs> Highly recommend having a bone mm -hmm. saw. That's a new thing for me, but I would say those three, the shun, the offset bread knife. Um, and I say that one specifically because I, I have another bread knife, but it's a little more flexible. Um, but the offset bread knife, the breaking knife and the bone saw, if you have those three, you can break an entire hog down, like start to finish. Okay. Um, I have a potato peeler, knife sharpener, just like a small one that Gary uses to sharpen our knives. Um, I have, mm -hmm. I don't really know what it's called, like a flat little cheese slicer. Um, it's like a little, okay. I, I just got it about two years ago and I don't know how I've lived this long without it. We cut a like. So is it like a mandolin no, that you rub the cheese no. up and down? Oh, I have a mandolin, but I forgot to list it because I never use it. Um, no, it's just like a small little handheld, like, I don't know. I'll link it in the show notes. Maybe somebody could tell me if it has a better name. But you just, you pull it across the top of the cheese and it just cranks out this little thin slice. And yeah, uh, and we go through tons loads of cheese around here and I find that if I slice it with that I can slow the kids down a little bit rather than if I slice it with a knife and it's too thick uh, okay. milk bottles I have a lot of milk bottles that we use for milk obviously um, and mm. here in the States anyways I don't know what it's like there but you know those milk bottles like you see in the old pictures where the like milkman leaves the milk at your front door and they used to have like paper lids yeah um, well, they have plastic lids now that, that like clicks onto the top. Um, and oh, you can, okay. they used to have foil lids yeah, when I was, yeah, I, I don't, maybe it was foil and paper. I don't know. I just remember they're kind of like a disposable lid before. Um, mm -hmm. that's right. And actually I found you can buy them vintage ones like on Etsy. <laughs> I don't know why I was looking at them one time. I was like, wow, <laughs> this is cool. Um, but you can buy replacement like plastic lids 
just on online. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but again, I've had a ton of them given to me, so I haven't had to buy any yet. Um, I have a couple funnels. I have like the thin, I don't, I don't like a very tapered funnel. And then I have some wider ones that I use for filling canning jars. Um, I have a pitcher that mm-hmm. lives in the cupboard next to the drinking glasses, have a Berkey and casserole pans. <sighs> oh my word. Um, a lot. Do you not have a food processor? No, I don't. I don't have a food processor. Okay. Um, okay. I'm writing down yeah. my questions. I'm trying <laughs> scribbling things down and things I'm remembering. Well, I also wanted to say something I missed off my list, mm-hmm. which when you were talking about that cheese grater, was we've got a garlic mm. crusher, but we've also recently got this kind of um, rubbery silicon tube thing that's quite small that you can put garlic cloves into and push against the surface and roll them and then the skin what? magically comes off them what? it is amazing and considering like i ferment garlic so sometimes i peel eight garlic heads yes. in a row and it takes me hours usually i used to do them with a knife i take the end off the garlic and then pull the bit of the skin towards me that i've caught and then turn it around and do the rest of it but after a while the knife kind of cut into my thumb which I was using for resistance and then of course the garlic gets in there and it starts stinging and then all the garlic sticks to you because yes. it's really sticky when you peel garlic and then we found we got this thing free when we bought a mortar and pestle which was just what? in the box and I was like what's this thing what? you know a stupid yeah. gadget it's not gonna work <laughs> and then literally you get your garlic clove you put it in it in the middle and then you roll it with the palm of your hand and as long as you apply a decent pressure the the skin just wow. comes off and so me fermenting garlic has completely changed so i wanted to to put a little um yay in from, <laughs> from the, whatever it's called the garlic, the garlic thing. roller skin remover <laughs> i guess yeah let's talk about no, oh, i was go gonna on. say no, i go have on. a garlic press but again i didn't really think about it because i don't tend to use it so much i tend to just like yeah. um, i put the garlic on the cutting board which i guess i didn't list that either and then i whack it with the palm of my hand mm like over like yeah, on a yeah. like on the flat of the knife and then i just chop it down the side mm. <laughs> i don't know yeah okay. i i uh, i tend to try to what... um okay for the longest time in my life the only thing i really had was basically like a knife and a cutting board that was my primary tool for everything and yeah. i always would see how much I could do, how far I could go, how fast I could work with just that. Because I always thought if I want the gadget, I need to earn the right to have the gadget. I need to be really good at my knife skills, which I'm not that good at them, but I need to be really good at knife skills before I can, you know, deserve to get like a food processor or something. I don't know why that was how my brain always worked, but I still tend to we haven't had the food processor for long and you know it's kind of a similar thing for me but with different um, motivation because Rob and I have moved more than 10 times in yeah. the last 10 years and we've we moved from England to Italy back to England and then back to Italy and we've you know we've never been a family that, that could hire a massive truck to move right. all our stuff back to england you know with thousands of of euros or pounds flying around so we've had to live really really yeah. minimally in rented places and so i've resisted buying stuff unless i really yes. need it because i know i've known that i have to cart it around with me and if you've got to cart something from florence back oh. to london it's quite serious carting. i know you were physically carrying <laughs> and so i feel 
exactly. You know what? I many times it was really quite funny when when we first moved to Italy, I was doing juice fasting because I was all into kind of um, eating as some people will know having listened to previous episodes <laughs> I was eating more vegan back then and we had a, a juicer and I remember going back to England for the summer and going thinking I have to take this juicer with me so we had it in carry-on luggage wrapped in my coat <laughs> in a wheelie um, suitcase and I wasn't taking any other luggage back with me I just had my <laughs> juicer but I remember how heavy that suitcase was because oh it word. was a serious I juicer. think one of my favorite <laughs> So I've had to always be like that. <laughs> My favorite stories you told us is you going down the train with the jars clinking, <laughs> all your ferments clinking. Oh gosh. <laughs> because we've moved so much. And when we and when we particularly when we moved in here, there was a whole disaster and we were homeless for um, a period of about six weeks and so we moved between different places and and we drink kefir every day and I eat sauerkraut every day and I've been building my sauerkraut up for about five years now with a certain gram amount because I can't right. tolerate it you know and, and I'm slowly slowly trying to um, heal my mm -hmm. biome and make my biome better without giving me disturbing symptoms through having too much probiotic and so it's important for me to maintain it. So literally we had a call bag with like bottles of kefir in and some on a second ferment, some on a first ferment and some sauerkraut. And, and it, it's like some, I don't know, someone who's got those wine bottles and the train's going along and these bottles are all clinking together. And like, it's, it's water kefir. Uh, I, I just, I, I, you know, Alison, yeah. anytime I talk to you, any excuses I come up with just go out the window because there's just no excuses. <laughs> um, oh, I will... No, I mean, seriously, I I have to say during that period of, of about eight weeks when we were homeless, we did not ever go without sourdough bread that, that I had awesome. baked in every place that we went to. I had I had a silicon tin uh -huh. that I kept with me and we had the starter and in every place we went and bought flour wow. and I found the oven and I made a spread. We, we, and I'm, I kind of not massively proud of loads of things but I'm really yeah. proud that I was able to give that yeah. to my family you know to give them bread that I know that Rob can digest and that I know fuels us in a period and also to give us that mm -hmm. stability when everything yes. else was kind of crashing around us we had nowhere to live we had the bread every day it was so it kind of gelled us together in I a way you should it was be nice. proud of that and that that is also uh, actually something that's been heavy on my mind the last few days which is when the world is crashing down around you and there's not a lot that those of us who aren't you know presidents or kings can you know there's not always that much that we could do to change the direction things are mm. going on a grand scale in the world but if those of us that were here were literally cultivating the culture within our homes and you know really nourishing the spirits and the attitudes of those that were here and we could all feel within our spaces at least mm. this measure of safety and peace um you know there's all, always amazing stories of people yeah. who like you talked about moving and there's also displacement you know people who have gone through just awful things yeah. and um the things that often it's the mothers have done to create normalcy and the sense of peace within yeah. their space that that is an art and that is a skill and that is something that i don't think we are often taught 
how to cultivate or admonished to cultivate, but we really, really could do a lot for literally the world by tending to that. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and for, for our children, Absolutely. for sure, to provide, it was very, uh, it was ve very much an upheaval for Gabriel because we, you know, we'd brought him to Italy and then all of a sudden we thought we were moving to this place and we weren't. And he was six oh. years old at the time. And suddenly we were in a hotel on New Year's Eve and then we were in some oh. other place and then we were in some other place. And it was really difficult yeah. for him. And through having these this kind of moments when we sit down together at the table and through having that bread, it it gave me a way to give him something that he could he knew where it was and you know he knew where the boundaries were and he could feel a little bit little yeah. bit secure i think i've, I've heard things like so, yeah you yeah. know even when things are um in disruption um keep bedtime routines the same and things like just little things like that yeah, yeah. where everything is churning about us but this is an anchor this is stable you know and maybe the only thing you can keep the same is you know the the prayer or quiet time like i don't know somebody's situation you know there there might not be much you can keep the same but if you do have something you know a spirit and attitude things even that you say um, i think it's very admirable allison that you did that <sighs> um i felt very emotional thinking about that though just because there is so much going on right now um and we do we can yeah. get lost in just scrolling or reading or getting um carried away in things that there's not much we can do if there's things we can do to help others then mm -hmm. yes i think it is in all of our responsibility to do it but um something that we all do have a responsibility for is our our own homes so um Okay, yeah, exactly. well, let's... Let's go back to something. Let's go back to something practical because yeah. I've got let's another question practical. for you that I wrote down. I wanted to talk to you about your okay. Berkey because I know that I've received quite a lot of questions from people about water mm. filtration. And um, I know about the Berkey and I've had friends who've got the Berkey. And I've also, I mean, when we've moved around, we've not had space for that. We've got... Uh, a filter called BWT by a company called BWT okay. at the moment, which filters out um, chlorine and other heavy metals, but also puts magnesium into oh, the water. Cool. Um, before that, we had a Brita filter, which we used quite a lot. And we ended up with a BWT because we suddenly needed a filter and then we couldn't find a Brita filter. So we bought the, this model and we've stuck with it ever since. We've never been able to have a kind of a, a house-wide water filtration system installed because we've always been renting and not stayed in properties long enough i know that that's touted as the kind of the best way of reverse of right. osmosis kind of water filter and i wonder what your experience of the berkey was and what you had before that and if you've got anything to say about water filtration well, i don't I, let me tell you something hilarious um my mother-in-law is probably one of the most thoughtful people you'll ever meet like she silently wow. observes and sees what people need or thinking or wanting and then she shows up with it so um mm. one year for my birthday she bought me the dehydrator which is an expensive dehydrator mm. um yeah yeah i used to have yeah. one I and i it. i have always just had dehydrators that i picked up at garage sales or whatever that are like half melted and sometimes work and sometimes don't work you know <laughs> um so when she got me that it was just like oh this is amazing and got rid of all the junky ones um and then the next um birthday she got me the Berkey 
which is another investment. And mm. um, so <laughs> somebody messaged me, a friend messaged me. She said, wow, you have the dehydrator that I've always wanted and you have the water filter that I've always wanted. I said, I know. She goes, you have two things that I that I really want. And I said, I know, I, I'm so blessed. My mother-in-law got them for, for me. She's such a great mother-in-law. She goes, ah, you have three things that I want. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have I have heard like you the reverse osmosis is the best I'm I don't I'm not actually that well versed yeah. in water filtration but when we moved to our house that we lived in before this one the city water was awful like I was pregnant and okay. I I remember just being rabidly thirsty and having to leave and go find water because I couldn't even I couldn't even hold a glass oh. up to my nose I could smell it and everybody else said oh it's fine it's fine but I was like I can't I can't I'll throw up if I drink this and we looked it up online on EWG you can look up the chemicals that are in your zip codes water okay and we had like all the worst ones like the the top nine most toxic okay. <laughs> ones yeah so we got the Berkey as it is known for filtering out glyphosate and all kinds of other bad things that can get into our water supply um it doesn't put in magnesium it doesn't put in minerals people do buy mineral drops we took a mineral supplement while we were there um now we moved mm -hmm. out here to the farm we have <clears throat> our our well is uh it's literally a mountain spring so we have amazing water oh, there's no farming out here wonderful. we're just literally on a mountain um there's rocks everywhere, so our water tends to be like minerally, which can make your toilets orange. <laughs> but um, yeah, oh, but okay. so we filter. So do you put it in the, that water? I do. In the so I filter. Well, I fill it to? up usually in the morning because it takes so long for the water to get hot in the kitchen. I put that pitcher that I talked about. It sits underneath the sink. I turn the water on yeah. and it starts running. And I can usually fill the pitcher about three times before the hot water gets to the to the house um so that way i'm not wasting mm -hmm. water just running it down the drain yeah um but right. i get to my hot water you know and i heat up the kettle or whatever while that's going on so then by the time i'm ready to you know wash dishes then we've got hot water and um we filter it for drinking but then we also use the water straight out of the tap which is the well water um, so I always use mm -hmm. that for fermenting because I had read somewhere that mineral rich water is better for fermenting. Um, mm. I don't know if mm -hmm. it's true or not, but my ferments come out really bubbly. So probably some to it mm. and I use it for cooking and sometimes we drink it and I use it for making ice cubes. So I would say we use both back and forth here at the other house. I wouldn't have even cooked in the tap water. It was so bad. It was pretty awful. Okay. We've got some well water up the hill where the farm is, where Rob mm. goes running to get goat and raw milk. And um, friends who have cars go up there with massive, you know, um, 10 litre, wow. 20 litre containers and fill up from the well. But not having a car, and Rob's already running down the hill with like, you know, half <laughs> yeah. a goat. Milk and, and blood. And, 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 and litres of milk. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say, right, you go up there and you get me 10 <laughs> litres of water. So we haven't been able to avail ourselves of it yet. <sighs> but it would be um, really lovely to be able to yeah. have the spring water. There is also an artesian here. well on You're the corner of our there, property. Definitely. Um, so we could go get water over there too if we wanted, I guess. But there's two, there's two wells on the property and then mm. there's that artesian 
well or spring or whatever it's called just it's just like a giant pond that is like nice. perfectly still but not algae or anything like that i don't know i don't know yeah yeah um okay so on oh. on yours i actually did have some questions on yours okay so yeah. so you said hand crank okay. grain mill um you had told me it costs yeah. like 10 euros versus 400 euros so you're saying like an expensive yeah. electric one versus just a hand crank one yeah so there are lots of very very expensive grain mills okay. that are electric and have stones in yeah. them and ellie um, has that one doesn't she the like two stone stones rub against each other that's right so ellie has a mock mill um and there's one called a como which i think is i think it's como um which is quite famous this one when we first bought it we didn't know how many how often we were going to use whole grains we were making a lot of bread and we were paying a lot of money for flour and also we were wanting to buy in bulk and we didn't want to have the flour hanging around because obviously the you know as soon as you grind that grain the oils are exposed right. to the air right. and those oils are then starting to degrade so kind of partly for health and partly for economy, we were interested in getting a grinder. But at that stage, we were like, we don't know how, how much it's going to stick. You know, how often are yeah. we going to want to do this? So we didn't want to spend tons and tons and tons of money on it. So we bought, we found one that was a cheaper model anyway. And it, um, it's, it's 100 euros to buy wow. new. And we got it secondhand. Um, and, but the only thing is, it, it, it's kind of you you're again you're paying for what you're saving in time apparently so if you buy a 400 euro grain grinder it's gonna do your um wheat berries or your spelt berries in a moment and you're paying for perhaps for it not to heat them up as well the technology for it not to heat as it's grinding is in more expensive grain grinders our one is instead a roller mill. So in the grains go through the roller rather than in between two stones. And it then has a literally a hand crank which turns the rolls. And at the beginning I didn't realise that this enables us to do flaked grains as well, whereas you can't do flaked uh-huh. grains in a, a normal stone ground, you know, two stones each other can't flake a grain. But a roller mill can if you just put it through once, you squash yeah. the grain to begin with so you can end up with porridge I was going to ask if you could porridge do oatmeal. Oatmeal. oh that's cool you'd call it yeah and so we spent the money on this and we use it literally every week and what I wanted to say about the kind of saving of time thing was that first of all it doesn't make a, a great big electric noise which over time we've started to dislike things that make a great big whir and buzz in our in our house but the second thing is we've we've kind of turned it into a family thing so Rob does it because he's stronger than me so he does the, the crank grinding and I will tell him, you know, this is what I'm planning. Have you got time to, you know, flake some oats and grind some millet and sorghum and perhaps some barley this weekend? And he plans it in. And then what he does is he sets himself up on our table, obviously, because there's nowhere else. <laughs> and he puts his um, e-ink reader. If you listen to our <laughs> episode a few um, a few episodes back, you'll understand more about the e-ink reader. And he brings up a book and then he'll read to us so he'll either read something for Gabriel that he wants to read or he'll read something all three of us are listening to and he just does the grains whilst reading and Gabriel really enjoys it he gets involved and he does the easier turns because he's not quite strong enough to do the harder ones yet you know the first pass and 
he looks forward to it because he's like, oh, can I have my book? Can I have my book? And we've kind of turned it into a, a family time together, which we never would have had if we'd bought that electric one that did it in a few seconds. You know, So I feel quite, um, I feel very attached to the fact that it's a hand thing and the fact that we didn't spend much money on it and the fact that it's Italian, it was built in, in Italy and it's beautiful, it's made of chrome, you know, mm. metal, it's shiny and lovely. Um, and I'm, although it takes us extra time, I'm very happy with the decision. There are, that's... I don't know where I started. I, I love that you said that, Alison, because something, another thing that's been on my mind a lot lately is that, and this, this is a, the perfect example of it, um, is sometimes the things we lose by efficiency. And efficiency is kind of the mm. the god right now, you know, like, wow, it's it's yeah. faster, it's, you know, hands off, you know, now the car mm. is going to drive itself, you know. Um, and I, I suppose on a, on a at a certain point, if you're scaling it, you know, if you have 12 kids, now somebody's grinding grain 24 hours for two days, you know, that, that, that could get tedious. <laughs> so there could yeah. be an exchange yeah. there. But... Um, I mean, I don't know. I love everything about what you said because it isn't efficient and that's why it's beautiful. And that's why you get the other, um, yeah. on the wise traditions podcast, I'll link the episode in the show notes, but, um, there was a recent episode where she mm -hmm. talked about nutritious movement and she's this one gal's kind of putting mm. forward this theory that movement should be considered nutritious because a nutrient is something that if we don't get it, then our body has a symptom. And she goes, well, if you don't get certain movements, your body also has a symptom. Um, That's yeah, Katie yeah. Bowman, yeah? Bowman. I can't, yeah, I can't remember her first name, but yeah, I think yeah. it was Michelle or Katie. Yeah, prob oh. you're, you're, you're probably right. No, it's okay. Katie. I've read, I've read like, I've read like five virtually yeah, all her books. Yeah, <laughs> that's who it was then. Um, and, and she talked about how everything that we do in life, you know, you would trade that hand crank mill for an electric one eliminates physical movement. Yeah. And I think about that, you know, I've been hauling all the buckets of water for all of our birds just by hand. You know, I go over to the pump, I fill them and then two at a time, I carry them up to the birds, dump them out, take them back down, fill them, take them back up. And then two weeks ago, I started using um, the lawnmower with the trailer because it can take a couple of hours just to haul the water. And I was like, I, I am, I need to be a little more efficient about this because I don't have an entire day to spend out here hauling water. And I kind of hated it because I didn't, I didn't really want to be more efficient. Um, you know, there's yeah. still a lot of manual labor, filling them, loading them into the wagon, then driving them up and then unloading them and taking them through the pen. You know, so there's still manual labor, but I was just like, oh, I just, I just can't scale this. Um, but I thought of that episode with Katie where she was like, oh, well, everything we do for efficiency eliminates physical movement. And then what's bizarre is, you know, you would get your electric mill and then Rob would go pay to go somewhere and just like crank his hand, crank his arm with like a barbell in his hand or whatever <laughs> yeah, go to the gym. and just crank his arm yeah. back and forth, yeah. like producing yeah. nothing. <laughs> and just, okay. it's, it is weird. It's very weird. It kind of fits in with the you know, this, the nine to five culture that yeah. we have in the society that we live in. And, you know, if you're in that nine to five culture, it's hard to find the time to sit there and hand crank yeah. your grains um, because you've got all these other things to do when you finish the nine to five. But also, I mean, what, 
but I know what what I have done in the past in my life is I've I've ended up being um I don't know if you know in Winnie the Pooh they talk about a busy Baxon and it's <laughs> a, one of the, I think it's Piglet describes them as someone who is always busy and they'll be back <laughs> soon oh, yes, I you know, busy that. back soon and the idea is that you know you kind of um you're always making yourself busy and you never get the chance to stop and look around you and you know as we would say be present and the nine to five culture encourages this and and you know kind of looking away in distractions and tv and and the food that we have encourage that and it's it's taking us each way you know each time further and further and further away from that so we don't even appreciate what we're what we're losing and so it's hard to to bring a lot of these things back in if you are still caught up in in that kind of nine to five you have to find spaces in your life to to put them in and I know in the past you know I was caught up in that culture and the more that I've moved away from that and done things like bought a slower grain grinder and obviously left nine to five um then presence and things that we are supposed to do or we were supposed to be doing as human beings return and then we feel wholer as human beings um and yeah I'm not sure how I got to that from just the grain grinder but it's your fault (laughs) (laughs) well I I I'm with you on what you're saying and and that is part of why I wanted to talk about the hand crane grain mill because it it for me just felt like a highlight of a lot of these things are that, but I might not get that same conversation asking you about your cutting board. <laughs> um, but that's a really yeah, good example. Yeah, and that yeah. is part of what I, I keep saying and thinking about with the ancestral food is that people say, um, oh, I want to eat ancestral food, but I don't have the time. And, and I always have the two arguments in my mind, which is one, well, it doesn't really take that much time. And two, it takes loads of time and you're supposed to have time. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, completely. Another kind of philosophical thing that I know that we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we came up with this idea for the um, episode was the idea of the marketing that is bombarding mm-hmm. us, oh. telling us that we have to buy yes. this kitchen equipment and this kitchen Ridiculous. equipment and this kitchen equipment and this piece of kitchen equipment and how it makes us feel like we are not you know, good enough in the kitchen yeah. if we don't have this. And I, I really liked what you said about it when we first talked about it. Could you kind of elaborate on that now we've, we've got the call well, on, please? Yeah, <laughs> I, what, what, I, what I always think is that um, yes, I think there's so many things out there because um, something is popular. Can you hear my kids? They're upstairs playing, and I feel like okay, I a little bit. Too yeah, distracting. they're very I'm happy. So that's fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> Hopefully, it's not. Yeah, um, that's a good <laughs> ancestral <thing>. lifestyle <laughs> includes families. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so the um, the thing that always comes to my mind is there's all these things I want to do in the kitchen, right? And then somebody takes advantage of the fact that you were not taught by your grandmother and your mother how to ferment sauerkraut, Mm. right? You never saw it done. All you know is that it's mysterious and must be really hard. And, And a kit shows up online and you think, well, by golly, if I have the kit, I can do it. And you get the kit and, you know, or or you don't get the kit because it's expensive, you know, and you think, well, I can't ferment sauerkraut. And I've always thought to myself, okay, no matter what, what I'm trying to do is a process that somebody did 600 years ago 
And they didn't have gadgets. Mm. They didn't have whirly gigs, you know. They had to come up with ways to do it. Mm. Did I say this on the podcast or did I say this to you earlier? I can't. <laughs> now I'm like, I can't remember. I should never talk before we start recording because then I can't remember what I said on the podcast <laughs> and what I said just to you. But, um, but here we are in our kitchens with just the very basic of gadgets and, and we can put together these foods that, you know, people have been doing forever, um, without a lot of tools. I I just think sometimes the tools take advantage of our, um, tools and gadgets sold online can take advantage of our lack of confidence. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that the the advertisements are designed to take advantage of yeah. our lack of, you know, confidence or time or... Oh, my word. Um, I see this in yeah. everything. No, com- confidence is yeah. a big one, definitely. And it's huge yeah. in... I will say it's huge in the homeschool world. People know that a mom yeah. feels inadequate to teach her child how to read, even though she knows how to read. So I don't... But I don't get that. But... Um, so they sell, you know, certificates and expensive curriculums mm. and fancy kits and things like that. And I'm just like, what? It's just, you're just taking advantage of the fact that somebody feels inadequate and, mm. it, you know, um, basically selling them a product to try to give them the confidence. And, and a, another thing that isn't exactly this, but that I always say, about the kitchen and you alluded to this when you talked about how you have the things you use every day and how you have the things but I always have said that a kitchen the production the volume and the quality of production in your kitchen has less to do with the size of your kitchen and the tools you have and more to do with your organization and just your willingness mm to persevere and learn a skill until you have it down because I have produced 10 times in a day from even the smallest kitchen I've ever lived in versus I've been in huge kitchens that I haven't even been able to make a sandwich in because they're so just not set up for actual usage. And I remember talking to somebody who had a house with a gigantic kitchen and she said, well, we never actually cooked in it. And they lived there for several years. I was like, what? But they would bring food home from the store and heat it up. And I was thinking about at that time, I lived in a tiny little kitchen, you know, built in the thirties and it was kind of like yours. It didn't really have a counter necessarily, but I, Gary built me a board that I could put on top of the oven and everything. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I was, I was producing, I was like butchering chickens in there. I was, you know, um, making cheese and butter and, um, producing, you know, years worth supplies of canned goods and things like that. And I was like, wow, how, like. I'm doing this in a tiny kitchen that we had to take the refrigerator out of the kitchen because you couldn't even like walk in there with the fridge in there. Like it was oh, tiny, no. but, um, but what we could produce in there was just because I said, everything has to have a specific place. You have to know exactly where it is. And then I would look at a dish and think, well, I haven't touched that in a while. So out it goes, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's really, um, I'm thinking of the, a book by Patience Gray which I looked through before we did this episode called Honey from a Weed and there were there were two quotes in it and one of them is is really um, relevant to what you're just saying where Patience writes the merit 
lies not in the possession of the object but in pushing it putting it to use and you know the idea of having a chopping board and a knife if you're putting those things to use and creating what you're creating with it that's where the merit is having objects having the food processors the the instapots the whatever else you've got around if you're not using them then nothing productive is coming out of your kitchen but using a few well-loved um, pieces yes. of equipment and actually creating using them is where the where the the real kind yes. of um, the real production and the real joy is in equipment I think that's a kind of a key point to what what I think both of us are trying to express in this episode I, I could not agree with that mm. more the one of the places where my cutting board that I have right now um, the place where I got it was an mm. estate sale that I went to when we lived on Coronado Island and the house was 19, I think it was built in 1921 or 1924, original owner. And they were doing the estate sale. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I have to go to this. Mm. <laughs> and of course, yeah. as every estate sale, I spent almost my entire time in the kitchen. I already know I can't afford the furniture. So, <laughs> so I just go to the kitchen because <laughs> all the little, little baskets of gadgets and everybody's like, ah, nobody uses yeah. those anymore. Then I'm like, that's what I want. <laughs> and I got, <laughs> um, I still have the measuring spoons. Um, we had to get rid of almost everything when we left there again, because kind of like you, we were driving around with everything mm. that we could pack in our car so every time you move mm. you get rid of stuff mm. and you're like oh that was pretty but um i got a pig-shaped cutting board and some tin like measuring oh. spoons i don't know what you call them there um and i just loved being in the kitchen because you could see that it was really used it was an old-fashioned kind of stove like very old-fashioned which i loved um and I found some pretty cool gadgets there and an address book that I still use. <laughs> wow. I think that's a, a nice thing to also shout out, you know, um, estate sales, secondhand shops, thrift stores, op shops, whatever they're called in your part yeah. of the world. We, um, when we lived in Cornwall, there's a lot of um, charity shops, as you call them in the UK, in uh, yeah. the town where we lived in Penzance. And I've got loads of kitchen mm-hmm. stuff from there. Yes. Um, including some measuring spoons, which I absolutely love. And I know that having talked to Ellie quite a lot from Ellie's Every Day in watching her Instagram, she gets a lot of her kitchen equipment from op shops, is what they're ah. called in the States, in, in, sorry, in Australia. Um, and I just think there are tons of secondhand stores with lots of little yeah. goodies and to root around in them as a, as a pastime is not um is a fun thing to do anyway and you can get really really useful mm-hmm. things that you are actually a lot of the time very beautiful the the measuring spoons that i got which if you scroll down my instagram feed you'll probably see them at some point a wood with some bees kind of engraved on them and they're just really beautiful and they, and they cost me next to nothing and um, I've used them literally every day since I bought them, like four years it. ago. I believe it. So that's a, a great place to go and um, just nose around and find great little finds that can, can help you out. Do you have garage you. sales there? I don't know what, what you call them. No, not really. Sadly, there's not really so much of a secondhand culture in Italy as there is in the UK. And that's one thing that I really miss because when we were in the UK we bought a lot of our stuff secondhand 
like mm. the furniture in our house, um, a lot of clothes, a lot of the kitchen equipment, because there's really quite a large um, culture of secondhand stores. But in Italy, there's not. What I did find last year, or the year before last at Christmas, there was a, a really, really big Christmas market at one of the churches in Florence. And I went there and I said, oh, wow, finally, you know, and so I, I got some bits and bobs there. Um, but I think it's it seems to be only a kind of a an occasional thing, not so much. So um, when I do find them here, I, I get quite excited yeah. <laughs> and I, I squirrel myself into looking at things. Is there, hmm, does the large secondhand culture come with the large consumer culture, though? Because you're replacing Yeah, well, things. I think actually... It, it, in um in England it comes because the high streets are kind of dying and the rental the retail properties are empty and the charity shops can rent them for lower rents and stores so they've just kind of popped up everywhere but I think yeah probably it comes with a kind of a a buy and throw away culture that you know it changes your keeping yeah. culture when when you have that when you have that available yeah for sure when my sister and i went to russia that one summer all the girls were asking us they're like mm. do you have the, everyone says you have stores where people sell things that are used what are you going to do with something that's used and then you look at you know like how they yeah. they even like their plastic bags from the grocery store they're like patching them at night ironing them you know taping them and stuff like that you're like yeah something mm. that you throw away here by the time you really throw it away you know there's shoe repair shops everywhere typewriter yeah. repair you know by the time they throw it away it is trash you know you wouldn't want to buy it um yeah but i i was like how do i explain yeah. to her people get rid of things that are perfectly good and then just go buy another one because <laughs> they want a different color yeah <laughs> so yeah i think yeah, yeah. secondhand kind of does go hand in hand with consumer culture but um, but at any rate, we're able to take advantage of it. And there's, I'm looking at my list again, and there's yeah. a few things on here that I bought new. The thermometer mm -hmm. I bought new. I ordered it specifically. Um, mm -hmm. The Berkey was new when it was given to us. The pitcher, the pitcher, yeah. I love my pitcher. It's beautiful, but I bought it at, um, there's a store that sells like kitchen type goods. I haven't been to it in years, but when I didn't have kids I used to go just because I could stop by a store casually without really intent to buy anything and I don't do that anymore <laughs> but yeah. I would always walk in and I would just go to one place I would go directly to their clearance shelf and just see they would have things you know that you know yeah. were marked down to just really really cheap and there was a beautiful pitcher and it's an expensive brand but we just use it for everyday filling water um it's like a ceramic green pitcher. I just love it. But, um, you know, it was like a couple bucks and it has, we've, we've yeah. used it every single day <laughs> for years now. So talking about using things every single day, if you had to pick, say, I don't know, five things oh. out of your equipment list that you'd find really hard to be without, what would you the choose? The Dutch oven. I don't think I can live without the Dutch oven. Mm. Um, oh, things that would be hard to do. Ah! Alison, that's a rude question. <laughs> I put you on the spot, sorry. Um, I don't know. I, I, everything on here, I look at it, I'm like, well, you know, I did without that forever. And, and I figured out it, the pressure canners. Mm. I really would have a hard time replacing the pressure okay, canners because yeah. they do a specific job. Um, I can't, I 
like if I don't have a cheese slicer, I can use a knife. If I don't have a knife, I can use a shredder. If I don't have a shredder, yeah. I can just take a bite of the cheese. But if I don't have a pressure canner, <laughs> I literally cannot pressure can. And that is one of the only ways we're able to store enough, um, yeah. you know, of our vegetables and, you know, we can do soups and things like that. Um, and since we don't have, you know, produce year round around here, either you have lots and lots of freezers and pack them full or you find some other way to store um, mm. vegetables and things like that. So um, I'm trying to think of my five here place. and it's not easy because I, I think the oh, knives, I say the knives kind of aren't, aren't part I of the game the knives. because they're important. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able, I'd find it very difficult to live without my cast iron yeah. pan because I use it oh, for everything. Oh yeah. My cast iron frying pan. Um, You're right. That's I, just, I love those. You see, there's more, isn't there? Mm. And my funnels, my jars, and my sieves. I my just, scale, my scale. I, I wouldn't be able to ferment anything, it, you know. Uh, it'd be really hard to be without and scale. And I find it difficult without the slow cooker The as scale well. is one thing that... Well, I suppose I could use... The scale I've had for years, I think I got it when we got married, it, it gave up the ghost um, mm. whenever we were doing the, the pig butchering. So it died during that. Mm. And it was... It's one of the few things... I You know, I waited actually a couple of weeks. I thought, ah, maybe I'm... I couldn't live without it. I had to buy another one. <laughs> so um, that would be a hard thing for me to do without because I mostly weigh my flowers and things like that. And then I like to weigh herbs and spices and Gary weighs coffee. And um, yeah. I don't know. We use it for lots yeah. of things. So I think really what we're saying is a lot of the stuff that we have, we'd find it very difficult to be with, mm. be without, which is a good sign because it means we're putting those yeah. things to use, like Patience Grace says, yeah. the merits in the use, we're putting them to use, which is yeah. cool. The parchment paper is a funny thing. I think we're... Um, um, because it's, I, I have this aversion mm. to buying anything that will get thrown away. And so we don't do paper towels yeah, or, that will. you know, things like that. Just, just because, mm. not because I have this moral high ground feeling or something, just because I'm like, I really, I'm going to buy this and then I'm going to throw it away. That's hard pill to swallow for me. Mm. But parchment paper, I started using it in the past couple of months because I was calculating how much time I was spending washing dishes. And I was just thinking like, wow, I'm spending a fairly significant chunk of my day washing dishes. And by mm. lining the casserole pans with parchment paper, I felt like I was shaving that mm. time down a little bit. You mean when you when you make bread or what you're putting, yeah, what you're putting um, in there? Yeah, sometimes bread, um, I don't know, bread pans aren't that hard to wash. Um, but like if I, I, we do a lot of big casseroles, like chop vegetables, beet eggs, um, you know, cube up dry sourdough bread, mm -hmm. pour it all into a pan. And, um, mm -hmm. those just make such a like sticky mess in the pan. Oh, I see. And you have to mm -hmm. scrape it off. So it's I just really started hard. laying yeah. a piece of parchment in there. And the first time I did it, I was like, yeah. wow, this is self-indulgent, you know, like, look who you are <laughs> you know but then after that i was like you know what i liked that feeling of not having to scrub the pan for 40 yeah. minutes and so i've got i've got a, i've got something really quite amazing for that i've got a rod <laughs> and, and he scrapes it oh yeah yeah but when you talked about when you talked about rob running downstairs to get the um things i was just thinking like how much running he does for the family's food, running up and down the hill, running up and down the stairs. Yeah. 
I just love <laughs> he it. loves it though. No, he does. Yeah, I know. I know he does. Um, it's better than running on a uh, treadmill or something. I think we're um completely i think we're looking at my timer we should probably close oh, up no i yeah i have the list in front of me not the time sure. so i don't even know where we're at okay yeah let's stop <laughs> exactly i'm just gonna glance any anything the list else that you want to add before anything we else yeah um maybe listeners can share with us i i would like to hear what tools I other people that. consider um amen indispensable essential um because mm. I'm just interested to know what people do. And sometimes, you know, I, I don't want to smack gadgets too much because like I'm saying, I, I'm kind of saying, oh, you don't need like a bubbler to, you know, ferment. But you know what? If having that is just the thing that makes your life easy, like I, I think that's phenomenal. Yeah. Somebody probably looks at my list and says, really, you have a dehydrator, like just put it in the sun, you know, but, um. <laughs> but, you know, it's just that thing that makes my life a little bit easier that I'm willing to accommodate. So um, if, <clears throat> yeah, don't mm -hmm. think if, you, if you're like, but I love my avocado slicer. <laughs> you know, I don't care what your gadget is that makes your life easier. I think everybody... Oh, I'd love yeah, to see I them though. See. Particularly if any if anyone's got them at, uh, from kind of oh, old ones or yes. things from from thrift stores or things that are particularly, um, you know, yes. meaningful to them. I do I have love some to cute little... Them like little ravioli cutter and things like that that I found in antique stores that I didn't put them on the list because mm. they haven't really made it into the being frequently used type rotation but um, I do like to pick those little things up so what 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 should we say tag ancestral kitchen podcast or um, yeah, yeah that's probably I was trying to think well, of a clever hashtag you know we, and I can't I've, so, I've been yeah. using this lately hashtag bring back high street put that on there because bring back I high street that. let's like let's go back to buying those wooden measuring spoons from somebody on high street instead of you know plastic ones manufactured mm. in a factory in china you know what i mean like let's mm. just try to let's see for you made something made in italy for me something made in the u.s for somebody in the uk mm. for somebody in china mm. something made in china you know what i mean like get it from where mm. you're at and support the person where you're at instead of you're just a nameless <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it makes me want to go into my. We've got a ferramenta, which is kind of a ironmonger stroke kitchen strop shape stroke kind of loads of other things. It makes me want to go in there with my my camera and video. I want you to go in there with your there. camera, so please. Show you. <laughs> I want to go there. <laughs> All right. Anything else that you want right. to put on here? No, no. I'm getting um hungry for my supper now, so I want. Yeah. To go okay. Okay, good. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, thank you again, listeners. And we want to see your kitchen gadgets. Hashtag yeah. back high street or tag me or Allison or the podcast. I don't know. I love seeing people we'll check out the show notes. Yep. And if, if you, um, if you want to leave us a review, all the details are in the show notes. We organize that now and, um, everything we've talked about today, including the patron as well, the details will be in there. So, um, you can scroll down and, um, find anything Awesome. You thank you, Allison. Thank you very much, Bye. Andrea. Next <laughs> to next time. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to continue the conversation. Come find us on Instagram. Andrea's at farm and hearth and Alison's at ancestral underscore kitchen. Until next time, we both wish you much fun, exploration and satisfaction in and out of the kitchen. Thank you.